Hey everybody, this is Don Newman and this is Living a Life Worth Remembering. Uh, we love to focus on how we can help each other uh, live a life that will continue to live on even after our own lifetime has ended. And I'm so excited about today. I've got a, a good friend of mine. Uh, while we have not had a lot of meetings together, they've been significant. Uh, Kevin Jessup, uh, who's the president of Global Strategic Alliance. I'm not even going to try to totally explain everything that that organization is. I'm going to let him share. But uh, in a nutshell, uh, today when I began to put this episode together, uh, what I saw was there's an incredible truth about how all of us can live our life in such a way of building networks and working with other people and bringing those networks together for a greater purpose. And obviously Kevin has been doing this for some time and I, I, you know, he's an advisor to national and global leaders. He's the president or the board president of the GSAA or the Global Strategic Alliance. And you know, he's used his experience as an executive to bring together business, political, faith-based, all for the purpose of continuing to build the kingdom, of establishing Judeo-Christian uh, values in our country and beyond. And so uh, I love what he's doing, and I, I wanted to share this today and have him on here so you could learn what he is doing, what this organization is doing. But I pray that it encourages you that you would realize that no matter where you're at, that if you will work with others, you know, God can multiply the effect and bring people together because that's what he's doing on a much, much bigger scale. So, Kevin, I'm excited to have you with us this morning and excited to talk with you and let you share some of the things that you're doing. Brother, it's, it's exciting. While you're talking, I'm thinking, wow, who is this guy? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, listen, we just thank the Lord for... Uh, what he's done for us, you know, God imputed his righteousness unto us so that we could uh, go into his presence by the finished work of the cross and the redemptive mm. blood of Jesus that covers us, that allows us to even have a relationship with God. So when we go into his presence, uh, I, you know, I, I often say that, that the word of God is, is like a, uh, every word in the Bible is like a capsule. And I remember when Jacob was wrestling with God and was watching the angels come up and down the ladder. Well, the, the word of God says that we live in heavenly places with Christ. We're seated in heavenly places with Christ. And, and it, the word says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind through the washing of the water of the word. So when we go into those heavenly places seated with Christ and we're with the Father and we're with Jesus and we're we're in that secret place, the Bible, the, every word in the Bible becomes like a capsule. And when we're in the presence of God, it says we are the stewards of the mystery of God's word. Wow. So that capsule breaks open and this light comes out and it dispels the darkness and it transforms our minds. And then we have the, the task of coming back down the ladder into the earthly realm and speaking forth that word anointed by the Holy Spirit, because we could tell stories, but the Holy Spirit doesn't anoint stories. The Holy Spirit anoints the word of God. And when the word of God goes forth, uh, people's lives are changed. 
And so what an awesome thing to think that God would allow us to come into his presence, get the revelation of his living word, and then come back down here on earth and speak it and watch the transformation in people's lives. And that's what happened to me. And uh, somebody spoke the word of God to me and it transformed my life. And so uh, that's one of our biggest things. Matthew, I think it's 24, 14 says, go out and preach the, the gospel of the, the kingdom and then the end will come. Well, we're trying to facilitate the end coming uh, by preaching the gospel of the kingdom by the power of the Holy Spirit. So, you know, we did the return September 26th with Jonathan Kahn. And the return was not an event. The return was a catalytic initiative to start a movement all over the world. And on that day, we broadcast into 183 nations and over 90 languages and 50 million people mm. tuned in. And we bowed our, our knee before a holy God in reverent fear. And, and reverent fear is a good thing. You know, <laughs> the fear of the Lord is beginning of wisdom. Yeah. So we bowed before a holy God asking for mercy in the midst of judgment and repentance. There's, God's a God of order. Repentance is the foundation. Without repentance, nothing happens. And then comes reconciliation. And I believe that's where we're at as a church now. We're reconciling. You know, John Robinson, the Pilgrim's pastor, wrote a, uh, a farewell letter to the Pilgrims stated uh, from Colossians 3.12, which says, learn how to forbear one another in love or you won't make it in the new land. And so today we're reconciling the body of Christ. I call it death by paper cuts. If you've been in ministry and you've been in the body of Christ long enough, you've been offended many times. <laughs> and so we've got to overlook all of that. Love covers a multitude of sins. And when we overlook that and we reconcile one with another, the spirit of reconciliation has been given unto us. Then the body comes together in a real John 17 moment. That leads to restoration. And restoration is, is another... I mean, ultimately, it's the restoration of Israel, and that's another topic. But then restoration mm -hmm. leads to revival, and finally, reformation. So you can't have national restoration without national repentance. And on September 26th, that's what we did. So I call those five R's, the road to, uh, from rebellion to redemption. And those that are following Christ, we all go through that repentance, reconciliation, restoration, then comes revival, mm. and finally reformation. So uh, in, in, in the Global Strategic Alliance, uh, we focus on relationships. We're in the relationship enterprise. And um, we have uh, government, uh, actually we have ministry, uh, government, and uh, business and government. So we have three things. And I just, I just printed this out before we, we sat down here. And uh, I don't know if I can show this on here, but Global Strategic Alliance is, is aligning for global impact. And uh, it starts off when we're, we're, we're a tripart, you probably can't see that, but it's body, soul, and spirit. Wow. And um, we are three-part. We are body, a soul, and a spirit. And if you look at yourself in 3D, the body's in the lead. He's going here, saying this, doing whatever he wants, and the soul and the spirit are tagging behind. And uh, when we finally come to that point of repentance, repentance means an about face. 
all three things stay in, in the same position. They just turn around. Now the body's in the back, the soul's in the middle, and the spirit's in the lead. And that's what it means when, when uh, the scripture talks about living a spirit-led life. And the spirit and the body are the same in the sense that they need, uh, they need food, water, and exercise. And so the spirit man, we cannot live by bread alone, but by the very word of God. That is the bread of life. And the washing of the water of the word, the Holy Spirit is the water. Mm. And our prayer life is, is, uh, is, is the, the energy. The prayer life is the, the thing that, uh, that, that keeps us going. And so we need bread, Good. water, and exercise. Prayer life is our exercise. And so if we don't eat of the word, if we don't allow the Holy Spirit to refine us, if we don't develop a prayer life, especially in the spirit, the body comes out here in the passing lane and tries to take over. And the spirit man has to be strong enough to say, get back there, body, you're not coming around. And so we go through life in this tug of war between the spirit and the body for the soul the mind and the will and the emotions. And that's why when we're born again, we, we, we're a new creation. We have the mind of Christ. All things become new. And, and our will becomes the Lord's will, not our will. We surrender our will. And the emotions are the hardest thing to deal with. And only the Holy Spirit mm. can, can develop the emotions and give you a sound mind. And, and the, the word of God, it says, is, is, is a... a Milk, bread, honey, uh, meat. It's a four-course meal. Milk, bread, meat, and honey. And uh, one day, you know, you, you, I heard Reinhardt say this. He said, I'm devouring the word of God, and it's feeding my soul. But one day I, I said to the Lord, you want to come and dine with me and have supper with me? Where, where would I, what would I feed you? And uh, the Holy Spirit said, he wants the fruit. Wow. And you know, when I heard that, I had to bow down and, and uh, ask God to uh, give me more fruit. So when we digest the word, it changes our DNA. And your emotions become sound because the fruit of the spirit becomes out of digesting the word of God. And the fruit of the spirit is gentleness, kindness, meekness. You know, Moses was the meekest man on the world in the world, but it took him 40 years to get there. 40 yeah. is the number of testing. So God is in the process of, of hearing us repent. He's hearing our cry. We're in the period of reconciliation now within the body, and we're about to be restored. God is, those of us who are consecrating ourselves, setting ourselves aside to be sanctified by him so that he can complete his work in us so that he can then flow his work through us. And you can't give what you don't have. So there's this process that, uh, that I want to talk about with you if, if we're able. But I'm going to take a pause there, and we can come back to the process that people are going through. Go ahead. No, this is, uh, this is just like our first meeting, brother. Uh, <laughs> we were going to talk about a book, and we started having church. And uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting here getting filled up. I've, you know, we talk about you and I have talked before things we want to talk about. It's okay. We don't talk about anything as long as we talk about Jesus. Uh, Praise God. That's, that's what really matters. And, 
you know, I mean, <clears throat> there's so much. And we're going to put, uh, I'm going to have you share those slides with us later. We'll put them up uh, as part of this uh, when we edit it and put it together because we want people to see that. You know, at the end of this, yes, I want to point people toward Christ, number one. And I think right now, I mean, I can feel the spirit in me and uh, I can feel, you know, God leading me as you're talking. Uh, but also, too, we want to let people know what this organization is doing. Because I'll be honest with you, I'd never heard about the organization until I had seen, because I knew you when you came in and we talked about a book and we had such a great meeting. And that's when you were with Reinhardt or you had just, you were working with him, which, you know, his ministry has touched the world, continuing to touch the world even yeah. now uh, through Daniel and the others that are working there. But, um, you know, I just, you know, you and I have shared a lot. God put a burden on uh, me and my wife for prayer has been there for years, but took us to a whole nother level and then gave us a huge burden for Washington, DC. So we're just kind of connecting with different people going on our own to pray and, and, and put those things up in front of us. When somebody who knew that I was really getting a heart for DC, because uh, you and I could, we could spend an hour one day talking about here, the history of this nation and the spiritual mm -hmm. history of this nation. Uh, but that, I know that's really big with you and it's big with me, but that's when someone reached out to me and said, oh man, you got a heart for DC. You have got to hear about this event. I knew Jonathan. I had no idea that you were connected, had no idea what was going on. So as I started digging, we really wanted to, to go to the event, couldn't go but we live streamed it. Uh, but that's when I started to find out that, you know, since you and I had talked that you were part of an organization that was working as a, like a catalyst in between these groups. And it, what made uh, Kevin, what made me excited about it, you and I, you know, is somebody said, well, what denomination are you a part of? I'd say the kingdom, <laughs> you know, now, but, I've come paths and, and I've seen the division and I've seen how do you get all these people working together when they're working so hard not to work together. And what I saw in that event kind of reminded me, you weren't trying to renew the promise keepers or try to do that again, but it reminded me of that because I, I saw, I mean, on the mall that day, you had, you know, Y'all were at one end and you had Franklin Graham at the other end. And I had friends that were going in between both events. And that was just amazing to me to see. So, um, you know, I want to share and we'll put things up at the end. And I encourage you, if you're watching this today, you know, we prayed before that the Lord would speak to you through this and encourage you. So wherever it goes, we're really being spirit led with this. But we do want to direct you at the end of this uh, broadcast so that you can check out the organization that Kevin's a part of and what they're doing, because I think it's significant in this time. So, um, you know, the return was uh, a powerful event. Just kind of, I know you kind of hit that, kind of sum up what that event meant to you and Jonathan, what did y'all come away with afterwards? Like almost like, okay, this is what happened. This is what needs to happen next. Well, it was interesting because it was around the time that I met you when I was uh, a crusade director with Reinhardt and I was uh, meeting with Reinhardt in, early in the you know, one day in the uh, in his home in West Palm Beach. And uh, his wife was there 
we were sitting at the kitchen table and his assistant, Andrew Colby, was there and he was typing as we were speaking. I had got a call from Reinhardt that morning who said, uh, God's been speaking to you, hasn't he? And I said, he has. And I had a vision. And he said, could you come and share that vision with me today? And I said, great, I'll be there around noon. And uh, about five minutes later, it was a little after 6 a.m. in the morning, he called back and said, I don't want to wait till noon, come now. So I went over to his home and, and uh, that was really the beginning of the vision for the return. And for the next five years, uh, I began to speak and pray about the return, about repentance. Repentance was the one word that God gave me. And I began to meet with Christian leaders, uh, everybody from Ronnie Floyd and Tony Perkins to Doug Clay to Tim Hill to, to Robert Morris and James Dobson and Michelle Bachman. And you, you saw our list of advisors there, uh, Gordon Robertson and, and uh, major leaders and, and faith leaders, uh, Pat Boone, Nikki Cruz, these are all personal friends of, of 40 years, almost 50 years now, being in ministry. When I was a young man, I traveled with Jack Hayford. We did TBN and PTL and all that sort of thing back in the day. And uh, uh, my life had taken a turn into business. And then with Reinhardt, I came back into ministry. And Reinhardt played a pivotal role in my life because of uh, his integrity and his humility, and he restored the fatherhood image mm. of uh, faith in my life. And it was, an, it was a critical time, but I called, the Lord told me to call two people who I had met before and had actually worked with before. One was uh, Ann Graham Lotz and one was Jonathan Cobb. And I began to call them and pray with them about a need for a, a national and global day of repentance. And so over five years, uh, we built the framework and developed the relationships. Everybody you saw at the return were personally invited by, by my wife and I. These are people that we had worked with and met with, and, and um, it was an amazing time. And the Lord said there's all, there's all kinds of streams in tributaries in the body of Christ, and we need to bring them all together, not in an ecumenical movement, but in a unity movement. And so that's what we did. And, and we had probably a thousand people who we couldn't have come. And we had a lot of videos of people that we didn't have time to show. And they're all on the return.org now. So wow. you can go to the return.org and see videos and photographs and all kinds of things. And about a quarter of a million people came to the mall that day. And we had a movement uh, that began through repentance. And God heard the cry of his people. The ground shook, thunder came. And uh, the president, at 11.59, I got a call from the White House saying the president's just drafted his proclamation to stand with the return. And we just, we're sending it over to your trailer now. And at 11.59, we put that up on the, on the big screen and showed the, the, uh, the crowd all around the world, 50 million people watching, that the president was standing with us to repent before a holy God asking for his mercy on this nation. Mm -hmm. And it was incredible because the return started in 10 days, the 10 days of awe, the 10 days of, of repentance. And on Rosh Hashanah, uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed away. The old guard passed. And at 5.05, right on when we blew the final shofar on Saturday, uh, 
Amy Comey Barrett was was nominated into to replace her. So it was like the old died and the new began, and we we saw this incredible. There were many many miracles that happened on that day, and not only on D.C. but we were in every continent: Asia, Africa, Europe, all throughout Israel. I, I got home, and uh, Rabbi Yehuda Glick, the leading uh, Orthodox rabbi in the Knesset, who's leading the rebuilding of the Temple Mount, who is running for president of Israel, called me, weeping for forty minutes, saying we've never seen so many Christians praying in the name of Yeshua and blowing shofars. All of Israel is open. Could you come and do the return Israel, which is a whole nother thing that God had given us. So we are working now on that project, which is going to be amazing because it's going to take Israel to all the nations in every language, showing them from Ezekiel 36, the rebuilding, the restoration of Israel. And uh, that is a whole nother story, but God is restoring Israel. You know, it, 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 none of the rapture or the second event, the second coming could take place until Israel's restored. In 1948, the second, you know, talk about Isaiah 11, 11, you know, this number 11, 11, go to Isaiah 11, 11. It talks about a twofold dual prophecy of the people coming back. The first was during the Babylonian exile, the people came back. But once again, in 1948, the people began coming back to Israel. Israel became a nation. That's the first part of the restoration. Then Israel was declared the eternal capital, the peace. And, and, and Trump did that in 2017. He returned Jerusalem to, to its rightful place by making the proclamation he did. And then we see Aliyah happening. We see all from the four corners of the earth, uh, the people coming back to Israel. He's restoring the land. Hmm. And then finally, we have the, 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 uh, the prophetic Ezekiel 36 coming from a dry, arid desert wasteland. Israel's becoming a thriving garden of Eden. The vineyards are back again. I mean, it's amazing. And finally, Israel becoming the nation of nations. We're watching the normalization of relationships now in this past administration. This current administration is not helping it, but the, the past administration we watched countries begin to normalize with Israel, and we watched goat nations begin to turn into sheep nations. The mm. nations are the, herd, are the inheritance of the Lord. So we're seeing the restoration of Israel. And that all began, I believe, on Shabbat Shuvah, which was September 26, 2020, the day of the return. And actually, Shabbat Shuvah means the day of the return. Really? It's wow. amazing. So five years of planning culminated into that one day, and we'd walk that out by faith. And it was a $4 million budget. And many people go to do, to, do things in, in, in uh, D.C., and they spend you know, millions of dollars, and they walk away in debt. Well, at, at two hours before we took the platform that day, all the money had been paid. We were debt-free. And God got the glory on that day. And we walked out of there thinking, praise God. Now that the nations around the world on every continent are calling us saying, we're picking up the banner of the return. We want to come under this holy thing that you've started. And, and, and we're joining with you. And so the return now is moving across the globe with global prayer calls and, and events. There's I just got off the phone with 12 presidents of 12 nations in Africa 
they're going to be holding Africa Returns mm. in Tanzania at the big wow. stadium, and all these nations are coming. It's amazing. And then what we're doing in Israel will eventually bring all the nations to Israel, and we're going to unpack like The Chosen, that little app that's on your phone where you can watch the episodes. Yeah. We're going to show the whole world in a few episodes where Israel was, where it is, and where it's headed. And we're going to proclaim the majesty of the name of the King of Kings, uh, Adonai Elolam, the everlasting God. And we're, we're believing for the restoration of Israel, the great end time harvest, the last outpouring of the Holy Ghost, and Islam. God is moving through Islam. If we think that he's not going to make Islam part of the harvest, let me tell you, Islamists all over the world are having visions and dreams of Jesus. Yeah. He's manifesting his presence, and Islam is in a revival. 57 Islamic nations. God's moving in all of them right now. And so, praise God, this is the most exciting time that we've ever lived in. Yeah, I talked to somebody, uh, and I've, I've heard this over and over again, but I've personally talked with somebody that... Uh, that uh, you know, was Islamic and just, that's what they grew up in, had a vision of Jesus coming and talking to him. And basically that's what led him, led him to Christ. I mean, it's like Paul. It's like, it's, it's almost like the apostle Paul. <clears throat> I love what you say about Israel and the whole time you're talking. Um, you know, I, I grew up as one of those, you know, just, uh, Christians in the Baptist church that, uh, had a great foundation, would not replace the foundation that I had growing up. But, you know, Israel was like the, the Bible movies. That's what, you know, you kind of thought about Israel. You know, you didn't think a whole lot about it. Well, as I grew and got around different people and started to learn, I started to realize the significance of Israel and how important it is. And it's almost like, you know, all the different issues and stuff that we talk about in this country it's almost like you have to put at the top, we've got to support Israel. It's almost like the, the most important thing. I mean, all of it's important, the, the repentance, the turning, but you see that as important. Uh, I'm sure you're familiar with this. Uh, we could go down a whole rabbit trail, I'm sure, but I am a huge student of revival and one of my favorite people that uh, I've been there. I've been to the Bible College of Wales was Reese Howells. And, you know, I love the fact uh, of his story of how he prayed and how those students prayed through the oncoming, uh, you know, World War II, when he first saw this happening and how they were led into prayer. And, you know, there were some predictions he made that failed and some embarrassments that went on. And he just kept praying and praying and praying. But one of the things they continued to pray for was Israel. I mean, it was like two things. It was like, look, Hitler is going to, if Hitler and all that he is doing takes over this world, we're going to be impeded from sharing the gospel. But also he saw that as keeping Israel from returning and becoming a nation, which prior to the end of World War II and the United Nations, of course, making that proclamation, there was no uh, united Israel in the land of Palestine. So I'm looking at this uh, prayer warrior that changed the world. And he was connected to two things. It was, you know, standing in prayer that the gospel would go to every creature and we've got to pray against the forces that are trying to keep that from happening. But he was also praying that 
those same forces would not invade into areas that would occupy that area. Cause he said, you know, God had showed him that, you know, look for us to get, just like you said, to the place that we all want to get to, which is to that millennial kingdom, Israel's got to be restored. And so I love how you're sharing that. And, you know, Jonathan Kahn, I had never heard this before, Kevin, but uh, I, I heard it from Jonathan from, for the first time when he shared that whole picture of the restoration of all things and started to see how it began here and it got lost in the church, in the world, in Israel. And sure enough, it's a true picture of everything that's going on. So uh, I'm 100% I'm with you, uh, what's going on in Israel. And I'm, like I said, we'd have to do another broadcast on it, but share a little bit about that, because uh, I know it's on your heart. Well, God is restoring Israel, and it's really all about Israel right now. Uh, you know, the United States, as we're going through our, our, our thing, uh, you know, John 11, 11, I think it is, talks about, uh, I believe it is, uh, we, we talk about Lazarus. And uh, Jesus is going there, and, and they're saying, Lord, if you would have been here, he wouldn't have died, you know. And it didn't happen the way they wanted it to. It, it, it got jacked up, and, and the Lord said, you know, that, that's where that shortest verse is, Jesus wept. And I believe he wept because of their unbelief. He was weeping because they, they didn't know that, that he, he does things in order. So here in America, Lazarus is America. We're 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 dead. We're 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 not we're we're asleep. We're not we're not with it. And and yet, you know, we, we all thought, well, this 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 thing should turn out this way. And we won and it got stolen. Why why is this happening? And God, it's a Holy Ghost setup, Don. <laughs> it's a Holy Ghost setup because yeah. God God's still in control. He's still fully in control. He's, he's laughing at these people. And, and, and we are to come into that secret place. We're to come into the cleft of the rock, hidden under the shadow of his wings, where 10,000 may fall at our right hand, but this won't befall us. Listen, we're going to come through this fire, and there will be fire, and we won't have smoke on us, like the Amen. Hebrew boys. So uh, this is a time where the body of Christ has to stand up like David did to Goliath and say, what, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Think he is talking about my God. My God is bigger, better. He, he created this place. He can take you out. And so uh, at the same time, John 15 tells me that uh, they hated him without a cause. They persecuted him. The servant is not above the master. So buckle up because persecution is now you know, I chair the board for SaveThePersecutedChristians.org, which is an entity out of the Center for Security Policy in, in D.C. And uh, we have a, a host of great people on that board. And uh, we have the largest coalition of people from around the world uh, fighting for, we worked with Pompeo and the administration and Sam Brownback and International Religious Freedom Roundtable and Tony Perkins at USURF on, on trying to protect the Christians and, uh, and the other minorities around the world. And, uh, but, but the Lord said, there's going to come a day when they're actually going to come into the synagogue and kill you thinking they're doing God a service. Well, we're already there. We've already seen that happen. So today in America, we're at a place now where if you're standing in the pulpit preaching the full counsel of God's word, you're going to be called a hate speecher and you may be arrested. In fact, people have been arrested. 
So when you're living in a, in a, if you're my neighbor and you're living in sin, or let's just say your house is on fire and I'm knocking on your window, jumping up and down, banging on your door, trying to wake you up to get you out of that burning house. Mm. If I wasn't a good neighbor, I'd just let you burn in the house. But if I'm a good neighbor and I love you, I'm going to say your house is on fire. Come out of there. There's a way of escape. And so this is what we do when we preach the full counsel of God's word. It's not judgment. It's a message of compassion to save people. Paul said, if you're an idolater, a fornicator, an adulterer, or a homosexual, uh, you will not have an inheritance in the kingdom of God. So if we preach that, what Paul said in the scripture, we're identified as hate speechers. And you're going to go to prison for preaching the full counsel of God's word, even in a compassionate way with tears, not of judgment, yeah. but saying, come out of that burning house. So we're, we're there now. And, and it's amazing uh, that we are there. So uh, I know I got off on a rabbit trail there, but. Uh, <laughs> no, I think it's, a, let, let me tell you why I think it's a good rabbit trail because, you know, I love what you said because, um, you know, um, I was sharing with someone the other day about, you know, one of the sayings that the, the Lord has given me is because um, he'll give me little box sayings sometimes to help me describe and how do I lead. And, you know, we've seen all kinds of stuff out there, but you know, what he has said to me is be uncompromisingly kind. You know, mm-hmm. when you see the real fruit and you see the real leadership of the Holy spirit, you find people that are like Jesus. Jesus loved, I mean, look, Jesus would sit down and eat with sinners. I mean, he hung with sinners. Okay. And he didn't come to condemn them, but yet he lived the truth. You know, I think about, um, you know, you just think about David Wilkerson going to, I mean, the inner city of New York city. And here's Nikki Cruz, one of the, I can't, was it the Mau Mau gang? I can't remember the name of the gang, but terrible terrible gang i mean and you know and he he went in there and he was crying and loving on him but he told him the truth yeah and and i think there's a place that look the 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 real christian leadership that we're all looking to bring has to bring the compassion the kindness the generosity i mean you know you either got the fruit or you don't have the fruit you know it's either there or not there but if, if you're not telling the truth, who are you trying to please? Who are you trying to help? If you say, no, your house not on fire, you know, you're not helping the person. So, Amen. so you know what that says to me? We need a return. We need a Amen. return because it is going to be through brokenness and humility. Like you said, preaching with tears. I mean, preaching yeah. with the compassion and the general, I mean, you know, the, the, the real spirit of the Lord. Um, because look, you, you and I, we all know people, we are those people that turn, you know, uh, somebody says to me, well, look, you know, when the Bible says you can't be this in the kingdom of heaven, you know, it's saying we need Jesus because without Jesus in his blood to cover and to change me, because none of us are going to be perfect. None of us are going to keep the rules. None of us are going to do everything right. It's almost like, you know, the Holy Spirit's just trying to convince us you can't do it, surrender and let the Lord do it. I'm, I'm doing a, a little side thing right now as I'm teaching my uh, team at work about great works of literature. And so 
Uh, I'm gonna take them through a little thing uh, over the next couple of days, been talking to them about Pilgrim's Progress and John Bunyan. And uh, you know, I love, I mean, that's the best selling book outside of the Bible. Outside that's great, isn't it? Every other book. But, but you, look at, you look at the language, this book's 350 years old or something like that. And you know, here's Christian, the character, that is carrying the load all the way through this journey. And where does the load get released at? The cross. Amen. And, and, but you see him continuing on that journey and it's a difficult journey. And I think that's, you know, that's the reality of what you're saying. Look, you know, I'm, I'm seeing things all around me and experiencing things and, you know, to help the body of Christ, look, don't get, let's not get politically, uh, you know, driven, let's not get angered, let's not get all of these things, let's get focused on the Lord. It's His kingdom, and it's His power. Amen, amen. You know, there's a, uh, there's a work that God's doing individually in our lives, and there's a work that He's doing corporately. And I'm writing a new book now, which we should talk about, and it's called The Five Garments and the Four Faces. And uh, I'll, I'll unpack in just a minute or two a real quick nugget from it. And this is a revelation that God gave me, and uh, it's been an amazing journey in writing this book. So in, uh, the, the five garments are the garments that Joseph had. And Joseph's life, let's talk about individual, then we'll talk about corporate. Joseph's life was a parallel to Jesus's life. It was a foreshadowing. So mm. Uh, Joseph was given a coat of many colors by his father. It was very priestly, very prophetic. And under that garment, he saw the sheaves. He had the visions. And it was an incredible thing. His, his brothers became jealous. The second garment he had, he left behind at Potiphar's house when he was wrongly accused. Mm. The third garment he wore was the one he wore in prison. The fourth garment was the one that he wore, if only for an hour, as he changed into it before he went to meet with Pharaoh and give him a word of wisdom. And the fifth garment he wore was when he ruled and reigned over his brothers and revealed himself to them and, 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 and redeemed them, forgave them through his compassion and love and mercy. It was an amazing story. So in the midst of changing these five garments, as we are, we're washing our robes, we're preparing. Moses said, go wash your clothes. You know, so, uh, so in, in, in these five garments, there are one, two, three, four faces of anointing that the Lord was, was, was causing Joseph to walk into. And we see these four faces of anointing, which are the very characteristics and attributes of Christ, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, almost identical. In Ezekiel 1.10, Ezekiel has this vision of these four faces around the throne of God, the lion, the eagle, the ox, and the man. And when we go to Revelation 4.7, we see John around the throne with the 24 elders, the 12 tribes and the 12 apostles. And they're saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is yet to come. And they're watching this four-faced beast with the lion, the ox, the man, and the eagle. Well, in the Old Testament, before the Holy Spirit dwelled in a man, the Holy Spirit would come and speak at the tabernacle. 
you know, the, the tent of meeting, the place where God came down and outside the camp. And, 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 and here's Moses going into the tent of meeting. When, when the tent of meeting had to move, there were 12 tribes around the tent of meeting. And there were three on the north side, three on the south side, three on the east, and three on the west. They each had a, a, a uh, predominant tribe on each side. In fact, there were banners, four banners over those predominant tribes, and then the other two were on either side of them. And the predominant banners were the lion, the ox, the eagle, and the man. And so when God was moving and the Holy Spirit was moving, and they had to move the physical tent of meeting where the presence of God was, all 12 tribes had been given, when you really study Jacob's blessings over those 12 sons, he blessed them and gifted them with their assignment, what they would be doing and who they would be serving and how it would happen. And then Moses aligned them around the tent of meeting. So when God said it's time to move, they all worked in harmony and unity. They knew exactly what they were doing. This group was carrying the tents. This group was carrying the poles. This group had the, the artifacts. This group carried the ark, uh, the, you know, the Levites. And, and so they all moved. When Moses said, God's moving, they moved the, the tent of meeting. And so it is today. It's a beautiful analogy in the New Testament. We see these 12 apostles. And, and, and we see the 12 authors, there are 12. 12 is an apostolic number, and 12 is a number of a new government. It's a number of government. So in the New Testament, instead of the tent of meeting with the 12 tribes around it, we see a house. And let me explain what I mean. There's a three-story house is the New Testament. There's four authors on the first floor. There's four authors on the second floor. And there's four authors on the third floor. And there's two staircases between the first and second and, and second and third floor. So the four authors, the foundation of that house on the first floor are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew is written in the theme of the lion, mm -hmm. the lawgiver, the judge, the beatitudes are in Matthew. Mark is written in the theme of the ox. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Get in the yoke. The Holy Spirit will do the work. Just come along for the ride. It's going to be an adventure. You don't have to do anything. I've already done the work. Just get in my yoke. The lights, the burden is light. And I'm going to do the work. And, and, and Luke is the eagle. Like Isaiah 40, 31. Those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings as eagles. That word wait in Hebrew means to bind together with the purposes of God. So when you're waiting, you're not like little boy blue in the corner holding your breath. You're saying to God, bind me together with your purposes. And then finally, John is the man, but yet filled with the resurrection power of the Holy Ghost. You can't have an upper room experience until you've gone in the tomb. There's no such thing as a painless Pentecost. We die and then we're risen anew with Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. And now it's the Holy Spirit living in us, through us, as Christ is, 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 is manifesting his life through us. Because we died and he now lives in us. Praise God. Amen. So this is the first floor of the house. Then we have this staircase called the Book of Acts, which is a letter written to the Christians. On the second floor, we have Paul, the Pauline epistles, 
with the four co-authors, Timothy, Theophilus, and the others, and this is the instruction to the church, how you operate, how things work. Then we have the staircase going to the third floor, which is a book called Hebrews, written to the Jews about the, you know, Hebrews 11, the patriarchs, those men of faith who conquered foreign armies and walked through the fire and did all these things, you know, and it lists them all by faith what they did. It also lists those that didn't, didn't see the promise. They, you know, they were tortured, they were beheaded, they were cut in half, they were, you know. So if you're a real prophet, you better know what you're signing up for. That's true. So, so, uh, so this is the, this is uh, finally Hebrews takes us to the third story of that house, which is the revelatory books, ending up with uh, John in Revelation 4, 7. So we see these faces. These are the attributes and characteristics of Jesus. He's refining us into his image. So as we journey through our individual lives, the Holy Spirit is refining the faces of Christ within us. We are turning into his image. When we look into that pot of gold that's being refined and the dross is taken off, the Savior looks in and he sees a reflection of himself. We are the gold that's being refined. And so this idea of the, uh, of the uh, five garments and four faces is a work of not only what God is doing in us individually, but how God is bringing us together as a body. So in the New Testament, when the, when the Holy Spirit's moving, those of us who have been refined, tested, tried, and true, uh, he, 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 he speaks the same thing to us. This is why when we hear uh, pro- prophetic words, it resonates within us. And so he's speaking the same thing to us. And so now the Holy Spirit, unlike the days of the Old Testament and the Ten of Meeting, he resides in us. So we are the tabernacle. We are what Exodus calls the Mishkan. We're the tabernacle. We're the sanctuary. So when God is dwelling in us, we have to be like the men of Issachar and know the signs of the times. And we move. When God says, move the tabernacle, the body of Christ is moving. We set our, our, our uh, uh, sails to catch the wind of the Spirit. In a Kairos moment, Kairos is a Latin word for opportunity, which means the old ancient Greek seamen knew how to ride the wind and the waves to get their ships safely home to port. So as the body of Christ, we're listening to the Holy Spirit, and when he begins to move as he is now, we unify as a body and we ride the wind to catch our sails, and as the tide rises, all ships rise with it, and we begin to move safely home to the port. Mm. That's what God is doing. God is moving us safely home to the port. And, and we have to know how to listen and hear the wind and the waves to get our boats safely home. And God is moving now in a Kairos moment of opportunity, whereby we as men of God have to risk everything by faith, knowing that he will meet us in that moment. And so it, we, 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 we are doing three things God's doing now. He's cleansing his temple like the first time he came. He turned over the, the tables. He said, you know, my, my, my church is a house, of, my body is a house of prayer. My sanctuary is a house of prayer. We have to be a house of prayer. Hmm. Our to-do list have to go by the way, and we have to wake up in the morning and say, Lord, I'm coming into your presence. You direct my day. You direct my That's path, good. my steps. And so we become a house of prayer. 
Number two, God is, is, is allowing his body to enter into the rest. Hebrews 4 says there's yet a rest to be entered into. From the very beginning of time, God wanted the Israelites to enter his rest. Through the days of the prophets and the judges, he, he wanted them to enter into the rest. So now finally, before Yeshua comes for his bride, he's letting his bride enter into the, the place of rest. And that is based upon the finished work of the cross. We can do nothing. There's nothing good in me, Don, except the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit's in there, I'm good. If he's not, I'm toast. So he's allowing us to enter into the rest based upon the finished work that he did on the cross. I can't do anything but rest in that. That alone is my resting place. And the third thing he's doing, he's, he's allowing us to have a backbone of titanium, of faith, no fear. We don't fear man. We don't fear death. We fear nothing because he's on the throne. It's like David, I Amen. said earlier, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? My God's on the throne, buddy. You're messing with the wrong guy. So we, we, we go forth with the authority that, that Christ gave us by his name, hmm. but also by our relationship with him. I can go out and do works in the name of the Lord. But if I'm not empowered by the resurrection power of the Holy Spirit that's come within me, I can do nothing. And so uh, this book, The Five Garments and the Four Faces, is a walkthrough of what Jacob, the house of Jacob, said to his sons. These are, so in these days, we've got to know our assignments, and we have to align with the body of Christ. So when God's moving, we move together. Amen. And many times people have a slice of the pie, and they think their slice is the whole pie. It's not. I may be a fingernail in the body of Christ. Maybe I'm an eyelash. I don't know. But if I'm, if I'm a foot and I'm trying to be a hand, I'm out of order. So I've got to know what Jesus has given me as my assignment. My assignment is a connector, global strategic line. We connect people. We identify people and we connect people so that when they come together, this alliance that's formed means for the, the, the body of the whole is, is, is better. And so we undergird ministries. That's what we did at the return. We called all these people together. We said, we're going to give you time to exercise what God's given you. Speak mm. forth. And that's what happened. And so the whole, the whole body was, 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 was energized. And God heard us. It wasn't, it wasn't a, you know, the Kevin Jessup show. God help us. I don't even care if people know my name. You know, we've talked about this. But yeah. God is, is working now. And he's convening his body together because he's moving. Mm. This is going to be the greatest move of God Amen. ever. And his body is being prepared, consecrated, set aside for this part. The whole Bible is a story about a father looking for a virtuous bride for his son. And here we are. We're the bride of Christ. And we're saying, Holy Spirit, come and inhabit us and do your work through yeah. us. Yeah. Listen, this, you know, I, there's about 13 questions we didn't get to because they weren't supposed to be gotten to. And that's a good thing. And uh, we've only got a few more minutes, but let me, here's what I want to do, because this, uh, th this has been incredible in so many different aspects. And as I'm listening to you, what you just said, you're a connector. Okay. And um, I'm going to share this, you know, I, I, I normally share this through my uh, uh, coach, Don Newman, through that site in different places, because I'm just sharing different people that are living in such a way that's going to impact the future. Well, Kevin, you are living in such a way 
because you're submitted to Christ. I'm living in such a way that it's going to impact the future. But I want you to do this, and I'll close this after this uh, and share. Uh, we'll share some links uh, at the end. And I again, I want to encourage everybody to go and to check out what Kevin is doing. Uh, it's not about Kevin, as he said. It's about the kingdom of God. But here's what I'm feeling. Uh, I want to close this by having you pray because I'm just in my spirit as you're sharing. I feel like there's going to be some people that are listening to this that feel, un, uh, you know, and again, it's not about what all we've gone through in the last six months or whatever, but they just feel kind of unconnected, displaced. You know, I'm praying with leaders right now. You know, Kevin, I'm having leaders that are, that are reaching out to me that they're going through things in their ministry or they're going through things in their life and just looking for somebody that they can pray with confidentially about where they're at. But what I, what I really feel the unction of the Holy spirit is to have you pray in such a way that as you are a connector, that this will be a connecting moment for somebody as they hear you pray to say, look, I want to be a part of what God is doing. And so if you'll, just jump in, and if you want to share something and pray, then I'll close this out afterwards. Father, we just thank you for this time of fellowship, Lord. We thank you for who you are. You are the awesome creator of the whole world yes, and the universe, and yet you're mindful of us, God. You created us in your image, Lord. And so we, we come before you today as broken people, and we humble ourselves before you asking that you have mercy upon us as we repent, Lord. We ask that you would pour yourself into us by the power of your Holy Spirit. Revive us again, Lord. May we hunger and thirst for your word as never before. And when your word gets into us, Lord, as we pray it, as we meditate upon it, as we sing it, as we speak it, as we think about it all day long, you become the center, the inner core of our life, God. You become the thing that we run after. You are our source. You are our resource. You are our provider. You are our healer. You are everything, Lord. So yes. we lay everything, every care that we have at your feet because you say you care for us, Lord. So we thank you for your promises that are still true and amen today that you will never leave us. You will never forsake us. And so, Father, for those out there who are wondering, who have doubt, who have unbelief, who don't know what is happening. Where do we turn to? What do we do? How do I act? Father, let them come into that secret yes. abiding place. Let them come into your presence. Let them experience the peace and the rest that we just spoke about. Let them experience the refreshing of your presence in their life, Lord, knowing that you still have everything in your hand, that you are full and total control. You are sitting on the throne. And even though it doesn't look like we think it should, Lord, you are still in control. We place all of our faith in you and you yes. alone. Not in a man, not in a government, not in an education system, not in an economic situation. Lord, we come knowing that your word is the only thing that will be left standing when all of this shaking is done. And so, Lord, we build our house upon the rock of who you are, the rock of your word, the living word, Jesus Christ. Lord, we ask that you would refresh us. You would revive us. You would bring us back to yourself. I, I, Don, I feel like there's so many prodigals out there that once had a, 
uh, a connection with the Lord. They had an experience. They had a, a relationship. They had a communion with the Lord. And for some reason, it's grown cold and indifferent. They know they're not where they need to be. So, Father, we ask that you bring them home today. Lord, those that had a relationship, a connection with you, revive mm. it now in the mm. name of Jesus Christ of mm. Nazareth. Revive their hearts today, Lord. Mm. Bring them home. Bring them home. Bring them into the peace of your yes. rest, Lord. We thank you, God, that you hold all things in your hand and you're still in control. And in Jesus' name, Lord, we, we, we lay before you our vessels. We ask that we would just be conduits of your love, of your compassion of your graciousness, of your mercy. Mm. Flow those fruits through us, Lord, to a lost and dying world in these days, Lord. Strengthen us to stand and endure the shaking that we're going through by the power of your Holy Spirit alone are we able to do this. And we thank you for mm. it all in Jesus' precious name. Mm. We give you the glory and honor. Amen. Amen. And Kevin, I just want to add to this, Lord Jesus, because I just see a picture as you were praying and it was the word disappoint, disappointed. And for all of you, I'm just praying right now that maybe mm. you've experienced that. You've been disappointed. There was something that happened. There was something that occurred. And you followed Christ at a point in your life, but you were disappointed. Here's what I know. I have been disappointed several times. But what I have found is the only one who will not disappoint is Christ. He will never disappoint. And uh, the Lord is today was no accident. If you're watching this, if you're sharing this time with us, the Lord mm -hmm. is calling you to him and he will not disappoint you. Men will disappoint you. Uh, leaders will disappoint you. Business. I mean, all these things, they eventually will disappoint us, but Christ will not. So Lord, I just pray right mm -hmm. now that you will wash away any disappointment. Lord, I can't do this. I can't take the time to undo. And Lord, I believe in counseling. Lord, I thank you for the counselors you use all over the world to help walk people through. But it's your Holy Spirit that counsels us the best. And I'm asking that your Holy Spirit would help take someone uh, through the process of removing their disappointment in man and bringing their satisfaction in Christ and bring them and restore them and I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. 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 That's the spirit of reconciliation you're talking about, brother. Amen. Well, if you've uh, enjoyed this broadcast today, uh, as I know many of you that I'm sharing this with, there's something that you're going to take away. Uh, this is one of those broadcasts where I thought we were going to go a certain direction, but guess what? God took it another direction. So that means he was thinking of you. Uh, and this show was for you. I want to encourage you to share this with other people. Share it with somebody you know who needs encouragement. Someone that's saying, look, I don't want to hear all the garbage that's going on out there in the news. I want to hear what God is doing. Share this with them because this is all about what God is doing through the year we've come through, the year that we're going through. Also, I want to encourage you that you can uh, subscribe to Coach Don Newman on YouTube. Make sure that you hit the button to subscribe so that you're notified when the next show comes up. You also can go to Living a Life Worth Remembering. Uh, that is on uh, Apple, so you can actually subscribe to the podcast if you want to listen to the audio version of it. But uh, I can't thank Kevin enough and thank you enough 
for being part of this in sharing this journey together as we all learn how to live a life worth remembering. God bless you guys. You have a great day.